My Car Guru, Season 12, Episode 3. You know what? I think I need to do another focus group. This is Lenny Lawson, the car guru. Yeah, I think it's time. Uh, I need to bring a group of, I don't know how many people. If you get too many in a focus group, there's nothing but chaos. But if you limit the numbers to maybe 12 people, you know, you could have couples, uh, you could have individuals, people from different demographics, uh, age groups, uh, income, job types, that kind of stuff. But I would really like to find out how the modern buyer is thinking, especially in my market, about shopping, about shopping for vehicles, about whether or not they would prefer to deal with a human for the entire transaction, whether they would like to maybe partially deal with a human, like through an online purchase, do a lot of research on their own, and then contact the dealership when they're ready, or if they would rather rather it just be totally hands-free, no human interaction whatsoever. Just off the cuff, I think it would be in thirds. We still see a lot of people that, especially people 50-plus, they like to come into the dealership, meet a salesperson, uh, talk about what they own and what they're interested in, and then test drive it. You know, that's just the traditional way. Learn what they can learn from a salesperson. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of salespeople out there who, you know, want to push, really want to apply the pressure, get somebody to buy today, which I always recommend that you think about it before you buy. But, you know, sometimes they've already thought about it. They have been thinking about it for a couple of years in many people's cases because it's, it is a big decision. But they finally come into the dealership and they interact with a live human being who hopefully knows a lot about the product and can educate them, take them on a good test drive, go through the trade appraisal process, and kind of get to know each other. And, I don't know, long-term maybe develop a, a relationship, a business relationship. Have somebody that you can count on at the dealership when you have questions, maybe make your service appointments for you, that kind of stuff. I kind of like that. You know, I go to a store in Johnson City, they're an outdoor store. And uh, if I have any questions about guns, because they specialize in that, I know who to call. And when I walk into the store, there's about three or four people there that say, Hey, Lenny, how's it going? You know, that just feels good to me. Um, people like to be known. Uh, if they walk into a dealership service drive, it's nice. If the, the service advisor looks up and says, hello, Mr. Jones, how are you today? I'm fine. Thanks for asking. That's just comfort to me. But, you know, there's a third of the people that kind of, they've kind of backed off from that because they've gotten addicted to Amazon. They only want to interact with people that are in their inner circle. God forbid they have to interact with somebody else. You know, some stranger, they actually have to talk to somebody, let alone look at their phone the whole time. Uh, Those people, they're not bad people. They've just fallen into a different habit. Uh, Life is easier for them when they don't have to talk. They don't have to share. They can avoid eye contact. But that's okay. We're all different. My wife always tells me, Lenny, people are different. I say, okay, I'll calm down. So here we go. We got a person who 
does the research online, and then calls or whatever it doesn't call, they send an email to the Business Development Center. We call it the BDC. We have an acronym for that. And they talk to, in our case, Katie or Cody, and uh, they handle the transaction for them, just going back and forth in email. And then finally, they agree to numbers, never having talked, and they finally come in to take delivery of the vehicle and pay the number that they've agreed to without ever talking, without human interaction. You know, the ones who do get to talk to Katie or Cody, they really like them. They're nice people. But, you know, they've, they're hands-free. You know, they want to be, they don't have to touch anybody. It's like the pandemic never left. They're, they're wearing a virtual mask, and it covers their whole face. And then you have the Carvana type of buyer who, I don't want to talk to any human ever. I just want to do it all online, and I want it delivered to my house. And then when it breaks, I want somebody to come pick it up. And I don't want to be there when they pick it up because I don't want to interact with them either. There are people like that now. Well, which is best? Well, that's up to the individual, right? That's not my call. All I can do is take care of any of them, you know, when I have to interact with them because of a service issue. I can tell you this, for you young people, when you have a person in the dealership or in the business, whether they're selling guns or selling cars, that you can call and can intervene with or for you on your behalf to get answers when things don't go right. Because in any business, occasionally things are going to go wrong. Somebody's going to drop the ball. I walked into my service department just a few minutes ago, and I was just kind of looking around, and I do that. I'm looking for things. I try to look at things through the customer's eyes. As if it were somebody that had never walked into the store. What are they going to think when they see that stack of tires that's not supposed to be right there at the service advisor's entrance? Those beautiful glass windows that I paid thousands of dollars for are now covered up with tires. And I just hadn't noticed. You know, I just, they put them there. I thought they were maybe, I thought they had just been delivered and they were just there temporarily. Well, temporarily became permanently. And now they're covering up there, and they've been there for six months. I asked my service, how long have these tires been here? Oh, about six months. Well, they really shouldn't be there. Well, thank you for moving them. You know, it's just like they have no power on their own. So I need to empower them. You know, that's how people get power, especially in a business, as you cede it to them. You give them the power. But you have to teach people to be aware of stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of these young people, they don't want to really, they're not used to interacting with other humans. And they're you're hiring those, or I'm hiring those people to work with my customers, and they're not really good at it. They're more like the people who like to do everything online than the people who like to have the human interaction. So you have to teach them. You have to hire the right people who are, you know, just that kind of person who love human interaction. There aren't many of them, so you gotta you gotta be choosy. So, what kind of buyer are you? You know, depending on what kind of buyer you are, there's a there's a business out there to to serve you. Uh, I recommend that that if you're buying a car, a Honda or Toyota or Nissan or whatever, that uh, you start online. 
do your research and then uh, call or send an email. But if, get to where you can talk to somebody and really understand, kind of get a feel for the, the, the way their organization works. For example, if you call into the BDC, uh, what's going to happen when you do come into the dealership? Are you going to be dealing with a salesperson? Are you going to be uh, just dealing with the BDC people? Because I can tell you, most of the time, they flip them to a salesperson. And that's not bad uh, because the salespeople typically know a whole lot more about the product. So it's kind of good to know. And so if, if I'm dealing totally online with somebody, um, I'm going to ask them, what's going to happen when I come into the dealership? Just kind of lay, lay out the groundwork for me. How's this process going to work? And they'll lay it out to you. They'll either do it in writing if you're one of those non-contact people, or, or they'll tell you what's going to happen. You know, like I'll meet you at the door. Uh, we'll come to my office. We'll sit down. We'll go over all the paperwork. I'll pull the car up so that we can look at it and inspect the car, make sure it meets your satisfaction and it's clean and has all the options and everything that you insist on. And then I'll introduce you to our business manager and he'll finalize the paperwork. Okay. Well, that sounds good. And you hope that it happens that way. Uh, I would also, as far as that process is concerned, a big part of buying a car is what happens after you say, yes, I'll take it. So, you know, find out what type of things that, uh, what kind of products that they offer. If you're interested in a extended warranty, talk about it then. Don't wait till you go into the store. They will um, basically uh, give the call to the business manager, and he can explain the uh, service contract or extended warranty to you. Uh, you know, if you're financing the car and you're really upside down in your trade and you know that, then he can explain gap insurance to you. They can do all that over the phone and make it a lot easier so that when you come in, that just speeds up the process, makes it a lot easier. So this is one of the reasons why you listen to My Car Guru, and I hope this provides you with an easier path and also helps you understand how you like to buy and you know what to expect when you try to buy that way. So I'll be back in just one minute. Okay, I am back. I used to have a body shop. Uh, most dealerships do not have body shops. And one of the reasons is most dealerships can't figure out how to make money running a body shop, uh, especially with all the warranty work that they end up having to do and all of the, the standards that the insurance companies, specifically State Farm and, and many of the other large insurance companies, not independent broker-type insurance, but the State Farms and Farm Bureaus and those of the world, they have pretty stringent standards, and you have to meet their standards. And if you don't meet them or if you meet them for a while and then stop, they'll throw you off of their program. They have a program that uh, allows the, the dealers to be on a list, basically. If you you know meet their quality standards, you meet their customer handling standards, you order the parts they want you, the, the way they want you to order it and do the repairs they want you to do, then uh, they'll let you be on their list of recommended shops. And so when you call into your State Farm agent, for example, I say, I want to get my car repaired, and they say, well, these are our direct repair shops, and we recommend that you go to one of them. They're not supposed to, to recommend a particular shop. If they do, that's suspicious. Just take my word for it. So most of them won't. And if they do, like I say, that's not good. So 
you know, you want to go to one of their, their direct repairs, but here's the important factor. If you know a really good body shop that's an independent shop and is not on a direct repair program, you don't have to have it fixed where they te- tell you to have it fixed. You can go elsewhere, and they have to pay the claim. Now, that, that shop is going to have to follow certain guidelines, whatever you know they, State Farm or whatever recommends, but you can go anywhere you want to go. A lot of people don't know that, but now you do. But you've got to be very careful where you go. You know, one of the biggest things that can negatively impact the value of your car is if you wreck it. And it can be a minor thing, very minor. Airbags don't go off or anything, just, you know, just a a bump on your door. If you take it to a body shop and they fix it and the insurance company pays for it, it's going on the Carfax. So if somebody pulls up a Carfax, you're trying to sell them your car, trying to trade your car, it's going to show an accident. And it may say minor repairs, but they don't know what minor means. My number one recommendation to people who have a minor fender bender, or even if it's semi-major, take pictures and put them in your glove box. Here's what's going to happen. When you go to the dealership to get it appraised or you're selling it to somebody, they're going to pull Carfax. If you head that off, if you tell them, now I had a little accident, it'll probably show up on the Carfax, and here's the pictures of it, and here's a copy of the estimate where I had it fixed. Oh, okay, well, that's not bad. Because what people do is, it's like when you go to the doctor. Doctor says, ooh, that mold doesn't look good. Then all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, melanoma, I'm dying. When you're really not. It's just a mold. It's just a normal little thing. But that's what people think when they see a Carfax that says it's had an accident. They think, oh, my goodness, this thing's been totaled. And so they steer clear of it. Well, you don't want them to steer clear, so what you do is you prepare them for what they're going to see. Now, if the airbags did go off, you know, just show them the estimate that shows that the airbags were replaced. You know, because there's that's a big scam out there. You know, there's lots of independent body shops. People have taken their cars into to a shady character that has a body shop behind his, you know, behind his double wide, and so yeah, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. And so he fixes it all right. He just doesn't put an air, uh, airbag back in it where the airbag was. And then he disconnects the airbag light, which, you know, is the only way that you know whether that airbag's in there or not. You know, you can't look at a steering wheel or look at the passenger side or any of the other airbags and tell if there's an airbag in there unless you pull off the panel and look. And so, you know, that's that's really important. But a lot of people, you know, they think that if an airbag's gone off that the car was in a real serious accident. All it takes is a certain angle of of collision, you know, to trigger that airbag. And it can be substantial. It can affect a lot of different things. Now, one of the things I want to make sure of if if it's been in a, a major or a semi-major collision is what kind of frame straightening equipment do they have? You know, if they can't accurately measure and pull the frame back where it needs to be to factory spec, then I don't want to have my car fixed there. So, you know, you go to a body shop and you know that that if they mention or you see that it has frame time, you know, you'll, it'll be broken down basically on an estimate. It'll say, um, it'll say body repair, paint repair, frame time. And if you see much frame time at all, 
like any anything more than you know a couple hours of frame, make sure they have the right equipment. Well, how do I know if they have the right equipment? Well, I know you're not an equipment expert. Say, uh, is your measuring system for your frame machine fairly modern? Does it use lasers? And they'll say, no, we do it the old-fashioned way. Now, that's not necessarily bad. How long has your frame man been doing frame repair? Oh, he's been doing it for 25 years. That's a pretty good sign. Uh, He went to school last month. Not a good sign. You know, when you start asking questions like that, all of a sudden they think they have a a savvy customer. And so, uh, you know, you also want to, to ask about their painting system. You know, now... Mr. Body Shop Guy, I know you're painting my door and this fender, but I don't want to see any overspray anywhere. And if you're painting the door jams, I want them to look pristine. I want If you're painting you know, the side of my car, I want my door jams painted too, all the way up to the molding. Why do you want that? Well, because I don't want to see any tap, tape lines. The car guru said tape lines are a no-no. No tape lines. You know, if they're painting around your, your fender and they have to raise the hood, then there's going to be a tape line there. Make them take the fender off. Paint it separate, you know, so that you don't have tape lines along the edge because that's the easy way to do it. And that's the first place that some used car appraiser is going to look. He's going to open the doors. You ever seen anybody do that? They're walking around your car. They're appraising. They open the doors, and they're using their fingers, and they run finger around the edge of the door, around the uh, the basically the A pillar, B pillar, they're looking for any tape lines along the edge of the the fender. They'll raise the hood. They'll even open the gas door. And for some crazy reason, body shops think that people won't do that. Because I have seen so many cars that have been painted, and they look really good until you open the gas door. And there's overspray all over the, the fuel neck, and it just looks like my granddaughter painted it, you know, with a spray can. You know, just finish the job. Make it look neat. I know it's an insurance job. You may have a body shop saying, well, now listen, we can't do all that because the insurance company won't pay for that. Well, let me talk to my insurance company then because I'm not going to accept this car if it's got tape lines all over it. That's what I'm going to say. That's what the guru is going to say, and that's what you need to say because it really does make a difference. Choose your body shop wisely. Paint framework, you know, body repairs are important. If you've got a lot of damage to a door and they say that they're going to fix it, then I'll tell you how they're going to fix it. They're going to use body filler. Bondo is what a lot of people call it. But uh, body filler sounds better, doesn't it? Well, it's not good. You know, anytime you have a dent, they can't make pull the dent out and make it perfect. They have to use a certain amount of body filler. Now, granted, on some new fenders that you get from the factory, they still have to use a little bit because sometimes they have a few dents and dings and so forth. And also, you know, find out if they're using used parts or new parts. If you've got a car that's over a couple years old, they're gonna the insurance company will only pay for the for the cheapest parts they can find. And sometimes they come from China. And body shop managers. And body shop or body workers don't like those fenders because they don't line up good. You know, they, they're just made differently. They're, they don't have the same type of rust pr- protection on them. So insist on OEM parts as well. Um, your, your insurance company is going to pitch a fit, but 
I'd pitch one first. I think that's the I'd, I'd head it off at the pass. All right, I'll take my last break. I'll be back in just a minute. You know, there's another thing you need to think about when it comes to body repairs, and that's loss of value for your car. They call it diminished value. Read your insurance policy. I bet it says something on there that says we do not pay for diminished value. You know, you do have to ask for that. I would call my insurance agent and say, I was listening to this guru guy on the radio, on a podcast, and he said um, to ask our if on our policy, on our insurance policy for our car, if it covers diminished value if we're in an accident, especially in the first few years of ownership, you know, while the car is pretty new. See what he says. Because if it doesn't, if you have a car for six months, practically new, and you wreck it and it's a pretty bad wreck and then they fix it, that thing's gone down in value probably 20 25%. What if you want to trade in two years? You are killed, as they say in the car business. That car has depreciated a lot because it's been in a serious accident. If it says airbag deployment on the Carfax, oh boy, you're going to be in for it. So make sure that you get diminished value. Ask them how much extra it costs. Now, certain companies won't pay anything for diminished value. They just say, we don't, we don't do that. We don't have that in our policies. Then shop around. Get a new policy. Find somebody that does because I think that's very important as long as they pay their claims. Uh, ins- again, insurance companies want to fix the car as cheaply as possible, and you're still satisfied. They, they want to keep you as a customer. The body shop wants to fix it as fast as possible, but do a quality, quality job because they want you to be satisfied. You want it fixed fast. You want it fixed right. And you deserve that as much as car insurance costs these days. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. Give me a call, 423-552-2020, or send me an email, LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com, and I'll see you next time.